Listener Production. Hello, today's briefing is part one of a three-part series on the new reality of modern birth in Australia with Katrina Blowers. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the rise of the solo mother by choice. It's a movement that's gathering some real traction. I know quite a few girlfriends who've gone down this path themselves just recently. We're going to speak to someone who's had 17 rounds of IVF and get the real picture of what that's like. Plus, um, this big community that's built up around Australian birth stories. Yeah, how podcasting has really changed the way thousands of women prepare for labour. It's a huge community. Mm. But in this episode on Solo Mums by Choice, you'll meet Aoife. She is 26 weeks pregnant. I can meet a partner at any time for the rest of my life, but I have a really limited window to have kids. So I just shifted my priorities and that was how I made my decision. Yeah, so you'll hear Aoife's story. Then we're going to check in with a solo mother who's three years down the track, um, now has a second solo baby. We'll find out how she coped. The proof is in all the great mother-child relationships out there or, you know, I know a couple of families with two dad families, two mum families, and they're just kids like any other kids, really. First, let's get into the headlines, the big stories of the day. It is Tuesday, February 7. At least 2,000 people have been killed after two massive earthquakes struck Turkey and Syria. Due to the strength of the earthquake, we couldn't climb down the stairs. The wall collapsed on my son. My wife went down and I hurled my son from the second floor. Pretty terrifying stuff. Mm. That's one of the survivors there. The first magnitude 7.8 quake hit before sunrise local time yesterday. Its epicentre was close to the southern city of Gaziantep and felt as far away as Cyprus, Cairo and even Mosul in Iraq. That first earthquake was then followed by more than 100 aftershocks, including a magnitude 7.7 tremor less than 12 hours later. So it's feared survivors who managed to escape the death devastation are now at risk of exposure. It's winter in Turkey and temperatures there are falling to minimums of minus five. Truly horrible stuff, Tom. Yeah, and the death toll has just kept going up and up and up. So it was rising yesterday afternoon into the hundreds. Now we're into the thousands and it could keep going. And part of the reason is that second big quake that was basically as big as the first. Uh, And that city, Gaziantep, has two million people in it. So Yeah, the death toll could get even worse. It's already the worst earthquake this century. And the Greens have confirmed they will support the Yes campaign for an Indigenous voice to Parliament. We don't think that a no vote would get us any closer to truth and treaty. Voting yes in the referendum for a strong First Nations voice will be a step towards First Nations justice. So that's the Greens leader, Adam Bant, there. And he had a very frustrating day by the sounds of it yesterday because that announcement came just after one of his senators, uh, Indigenous woman, Lydia Thorpe, quit the party to sit as an independent on the crossbench. She says she can't support a voice or the Greens party unless it's combined with recognition of Indigenous sovereignty. So she now says she'll be the champion of the black sovereignty movement, but... She went to the last election saying she'd be a champion for the Greens and she's been anything but. She's brought nothing but controversy to the party so far. One of the most prominent controversies was her dating a bikey whilst being on a committee 
that was looking at organised crime. Yeah, so she's flagged she will still vote with the Greens on climate change. Uh, she also says she's open to negotiating on The Voice in return for her support. And Bant tried really hard to keep her, so he must be quite worried about what she can do outside of the Greens to potentially destabilise um, some of the Greens supporters. And big news on the problems in Alice Springs. Alcohol bans are set to be reinstated across Central Australia. This follows a snap review of alcohol laws ordered by the Prime Minister in response to that big spike in crime. Um, The report called for immediate restrictions for takeaway alcohol and extra federal funding. That is why we're creating a circuit breaker and implementing temporary dry zones until communities can develop and vote on the alcohol management plans. That's the Northern Territory Chief Minister Natasha Files. So the way it will work... Communities will have these alcohol restrictions unless they opt out, and to opt out, 60% of residents in any given community will need to vote to opt out. Um, It'll also come with $250 million of extra funding for Central Australia. Yeah, interesting decision here. This is what many were calling for last year, Katrina, when um, a long-running set of bans ended. Yeah, and I think in particular a lot of Indigenous women were calling for more to be done. Uh, As you mentioned there, it was behind a a lot of uh, the domestic violence issues were alcohol fueled. The Reserve Bank is expected to raise interest rates again today when it meets for the first time this year. Most economists are expecting it to go up by 25 basis points, bringing it to 3.35%. So this will be the ninth consecutive Mm. rate hike. I am feeling it on my mortgage repayments Mm. now, I can tell you. And there's likely to be one or two more before they pause. Inflation has eased in the US and is likely to here as well in the coming months. Let's hope so. Yeah, so there might be relief ahead towards the end of the year or next year. They might start to bring down rates again. But it really does depend how this inflation problem um, tracks here in Australia. But we are likely to follow those other big economies where it's heading down relatively quickly. Uh, and as we discussed yesterday, Queen B um, won more Grammys. So four of them, which means Beyonce has broken the record for the most Grammys Ever. She now has 32. I'm trying not to be too emotional. And I'm trying to just receive this night. What an absolute queen. Mm. The way she keeps reinventing herself is phenomenal. She's just a boss. Uh, Album of the Year eluded her again, though. Harry Styles won it. And Tom, I know you've got some thoughts on this one. <laughs> I just don't get it. I'm sorry. The Harry. <laughs> I know, it makes me sound like a dinosaur or just not a teenage girl, but I just, what, what is it? What's, what's so good? Look, I, I was surprised he won Album of the Year for this one, Harry's House. Personally, I don't think it's as good as his last album. Fine not his best line. Work. I know. Well, I know that people are going to be probably throwing things uh, at me, you know, um, metaphorically because I've said that because everyone has their own views. But his last album had Watermelon Sugar, Golden, Adore You. I just thought they were way catchier hits um, than this one. But, you mm. know, the, the Grammys have spoken and here we are. Yeah, I feel like I'll end up like my dad where I was like, the Beatles came to Adelaide when when you were in your 20s. Why didn't you go and see? He goes, oh, they were just for like teenage girls. I wasn't going to go see the Beatles. You, you kidding? 
<laughs> well, I am going to the Harry Styles ah. concert, so I will tell you all about it and whether it was worth the hype. All right, look forward to hearing your review of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Time to talk solo mothers by choice. Tom, when you hit your 30s, I know for a lot of women, some men too, you start doing this, it feels impossible, this set of calculations like how many years am I going to commit to the career path that I'm on? What about travel? Where does that fit in? And have I met the right person? And how long do I want to be with that person before we think about having babies? It's a lot. Yeah, and it gets really complicated if you have a relationship breakdown in that important phase of life. Perhaps all of these factors lie behind the growing trend for women going it alone. Becoming a solo mother by choice, as it's known, is on the rise in Australia. We couldn't find you any definitive national figures, but well-known Melbourne fertility clinic Monash IVF is reporting a 65% increase in single women seeking fertility treatment since 2019. Yeah, that's a huge jump. So we're looking into this trend um, to understand the reality. And to do that, we've found two women at very different points of the journey. So first, you'll meet Aoife, who's about to be a solo mother by choice. She's 26 weeks pregnant. Aoife, thank you so much for joining us. Where were you at in life when you decided to become a solo mum? Well, I was in my late 30s, <laughs> which was one of the deciding factors. Um, I was getting a bit older. I was recovering from a long illness. Um, I didn't feel it was pretty likely that I'd meet a partner at that point. I didn't know the pandemic was about to start. And I just started weighing up how much time I'd want to know someone before I had a baby with them and thinking about my fertility and the dates and the times and the years. And I just suddenly said to myself, look, I can meet a partner anytime for the rest of my life, but I have a really limited window to have kids. So I just shifted my priorities and that was how I made my decision. How did you go about this process? There's a couple of different ways, IVF being one of them. Which, which did you choose? Oh, I had no idea how long and complicated and expensive the journey was going to be. I've been incredibly unlucky. Uh, well, not not so unlucky because I'm pregnant now, but I had I had a tough journey. I really wanted to know who my donor was so the kid could have a relationship with them of sorts. And um, so I decided to ask a friend. That friend lives overseas. And uh, the plan was to fly him over to donate to a clinic. But of course, that was exactly when the borders closed. <laughs> so I had a long, complicated journey to fly over his donations instead of him um, and then went through an IVF clinic again because I was late parishes and I wanted to increase my chances. And how much money has it cost you so far? Oh, uh, more than I could afford, probably. I think I've spent about $50,000. Wow. But this is my second baby. I had a daughter who, who didn't survive. And that has been, you know, an absolute tragedy. But I also don't regret having her. And I'm glad she came. Um, so, you know, I'll always have my two babies from that process. What are your thoughts on how to get through the, the grueling phases of those first few months and, you know, the challenging sleep? And, you know, personally, I've just gotten through the first year of um, raising our little boy and um, there, there were really tough times by the sounds of it you're Irish I'm wondering how much family you have here and those sorts of things what, what's the plan to to get through the tough phases Look, there's a community of solo mums by choice out there who can offer a huge amount of advice and practical experience on how to manage and how to cope. 
But I mean, overall, I just feel like it will be very hard and very difficult. But, you know, life doesn't have to be easy and I'll just get on with it. There are plenty of solo mums, solo parents and single people who may not have ended up in that situation by choice who've done it before. And um, I guess my approach to life is keep expectations low and things usually work out better. Yeah. Uh, what about dating, Aoife? Are you? Is that still on your radar for now? Um, it was over the last few years. I went on a few dates. I actually had a partner for a year during the process. Um, and I didn't find it too complicated to tell people what I was doing. People were very positive about it. I date, I date men and, you know, I met some men who were really positive, really impressed. I didn't find it massively got in the way, um, but I feel very content solo for now. Um, you know, I've been through a lot. It's hard to date after having a long fertility journey. So for the moment, I'm pretty content. Uh, I'm a bit worried about how much time I'm going to have, <laughs> but... <laughs> you know, we'll see. It, it's cer- certainly not something I'm against. That's Aoife Cook. All right, we're going to find out just how hard the post-labour baby phase is. We'll fast forward over three years down the track to Liz, who made exactly the same choice as Aoife. She now has a three-and-a-half-year-old girl and she's had a second solo baby. She now has a one-year-old boy too. Liz, thank you so much for joining us. We've just spoken to Aoife, who's in the pregnancy phase. You're a long way down the track, but can you cast your mind back to when you made the decision to be a solo mum by choice? What was going on for you? Kicked off for me when I was at a hen stage chatting to a mum of a five-year-old who was like, I've actually done it on my own. And I I just sort of was like, ah, this is a thing. I didn't know it was involved. Um, That kicked things off and I went through it you know, a couple of years of, oh, maybe I'll meet someone or chatting to doctors but not really sure. And and then eventually I was just like, I think I was 36 and I'm like, I'm 36, I'm going to do it. And I was really fortunate that it all worked out pretty quickly for me. So I had my first child, a daughter at 38 and then my second at 40. Wow. What was the reaction from everyone around you and, and your family too? My inner circle had known I was considering it. I think everyone was pretty wary in the beginning um, that I wouldn't be able to handle it. That that was the main thing was people were just like, it's so hard, there's so much sleep deprivation. They were definitely concerned when I was thinking of a known donor because they were like, you know, what if they want custody and you only have them half the time? And I felt as the person going through the journey, though, that I'd, I'd done a lot of research. So I was, I'd was i sort of already answered those questions for myself. I'd learned about the legislation, the rights of donors, if you go through clinics, all of that sort of thing. So I didn't have those concerns. I knew the big concern for me was sleep. I knew that I'd struggle without sleep. And the big focus for me was setting up those supports once the baby was born. I think that's probably the case for anyone, whether you're a solo parent or not, like having the right supports in place is really important. But I think for people like my mum, who's 77, like she's of a different generation, but ultimately she was like, yep, if, if it's between this and not having kids, go for it. Like, mm. we'll support you. So um, I imagine a lot of people said, oh, it's going to be so hard. How are you going to cope on your own? You've done it now. And you've had a second baby. You've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Yeah. What was it like in those tough moments? The benefit of doing it on my own was I was so well planned in advance for the supports that I think I had really good access to those supports. Um, after the birth of my daughter, I went into a 
sleep school that helped me get her routine settled and her feeding settled. And I was linked in with, you know, a pediatrician and things like that. And then with my son, I went back to that same sleep school. I knew it was an option. So I think because I was so sort of nervous about not being able to manage, I had a lot of things lined up um, with the maternal health nurse, with people in my community. I'd say that to anyone, there's a lot of resources out there, but it's good to line them up before you actually have the baby. What are some of the benefits that have surprised you of doing this alone? And I guess on the flip side, what have been the things that have kind of caught you by surprise? It's funny, you know, there's, um, it's not the things you'd expect. So for me, this will sound so basic, but it's when I'm home at eight o'clock at night and one of the kids wants a bottle and I don't have any milk and I can't leave the house. And it's like, well, you know, now we've got delivery services and all of that, but sometimes it's just the the simple things or I'm trying to get the two kids and a whole lot of stuff in the car. And I'm like, oh, I just wish I could put them inside for a minute. Like there's obviously things that I would have, I would have loved to have shared with a partner, like just the joys, the, the talking about the kids, the things they've done. But I do share those moments with my mum, with a friend who's also a solo mum. We, we spend a lot of time together. And, and it's sort of all I know as well. I guess I don't have anything to compare it to. Have you decided what you're going to tell the kids? I already talk about their, that they have a donor, that they don't have a dad. And I think being part of some solo mum communities, all the research points to be honest from day one. Even if they're a little baby, you can still start the narrative going and you don't know at what point they'll start to really take it on. But my daughter certainly knows she doesn't have a dad. Um I'm all up for the challenge when, if or when that becomes an issue for my kids, it's their right to have feelings about that. So they, it may not bother them, it may, um, but my job is not to, yeah, I don't want to dissuade them from having any certain feelings. It's just to kind of walk alongside them, I guess. It's amazing the way you talk about it. You've clearly done so much thinking around all the different elements involved. You've thought ahead on all of the challenges from the the deeper, more philosophical stuff right through to the the practical stuff. And when I hear you reflect on it, it sounds a, in some ways about the same as as someone who shared the experience with someone else that yes, it was really hard, but there were beautiful moments, which is pretty much everyone's review of it. There's something transcendental about having a baby, regardless of what situation you're in. It's all about the village. Everyone says that. And I think it's it can't be overstated that they take all different shapes and forms and that you can share it with Um, lots of different people in your life, in your community, and for your child, that's their point of reference. Um, I I certainly want my kids to be in charge of their own experience and um, navigating that journey of finding out about the donor if they want to and and all of that. But yeah, my job is sort of just to support them, I guess, as they do that, if they do that. Well, you certainly sound like a really calm, awesome (laughs) mum. So they're lucky to have you. (laughs) I don't know if I'm calm, but, you know. <laughs> In this moment, you are. <laughs> right, right this second. <laughs> I think the fa- my favourite thing, though, just when talking about doing it on my own, is my daughter always talks about our baby. We're on a plane and there was a baby crying. She's like, Mum, is that our baby? And I'm like, no, no, it's not our baby. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing it on my own. I've got her and I've got they've got each other. And, you know, to her, he is our baby. She's as much of a mum as I am sometimes. So, yeah, um, yeah it's a different way of doing it. But I think um, the proof is in all the great mother-child relationships out there or, you know, I know a couple of families with two dad families, two mum families, and they're just kids like any other kids really. 
That was Liz Cashin sharing her story of being a solo mother of two by choice. You know, I think there's been this stereotype, Tom, that it's really hard once you become a single mum to date again, that, that a lot of guys out there just don't, are really put off by that and don't want to take it on. And, you know, a bit of a personal insight here, since I became a single mother, I just found that it wasn't even a thing. Guys do not care at all whether you've got kids. I, I feel like people are so much more open-minded about this and perhaps that's another reason why so many women are deciding to go down this path because they think, well, I'm single now, but I might not be forever. Mm. Which would be an amazing turn in the story that you start off as a solo mother by choice, but it might not always be that way. Someone might join you on that journey as a step parent and things could change. So why wait? Listener.